and welcome to Dream City Omaha. My name is Robin and I want to thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time with us, whether in person or online, please let us know by texting WELCOME to 402-383-1874. Now sit tight as service is about to begin. We're going to continue the, the series we started a couple weeks ago talking about being reborn. And we, we looked at John chapter 3, how that Jesus has this conversation with a man named Nicodemus, who was a, re a religious leader at the time. And, and Nicodemus comes with this question in his heart of, of what must I do to, to enter heaven? What must I do to see the kingdom? And, and Jesus, rather than answering the question from his mouth, answers the question in his heart and tells him, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, so here Jesus is presenting this idea of, of new birth, of this new life in Christ. And we see it throughout the, the New Testament as well. So we talked the first week about what does it mean to be born again? How do I be born again? Why do I need to be born again? Last week, we asked the question, if I, if I have this new life, then what are those birthmarks that should be visible in my life? What should my life look like as a result of this new birth? And, and we, we turn then to the, the book of 1 John. 1 John is, is just five short chapters, but in those five chapters, John tells us, here's what, as a result of this new life we've experienced, here's what our lives should look like. Told you last week, there's two topics that John really, he really focuses in on, and those are sin and love. In the, first, in the five chapters of 1 John, he mentions the word sin 28 times, and he mentions the word love 47 times in five chapters. And he says, listen, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, and if we've been, we've been born into God's family, then, then we need to put aside those sinful ways. Now, I'm not, I'm not a slave to my sinful nature anymore, but because I've been made alive, there is new possibilities for me. And, and last week we, we looked at John, 1 John chapter 3, and he says that, that nobody who's been born into God's family makes a practice of sinning. It's not to say that, that now we've, we've experienced new life in Christ that we're never going to sin again because we, we still have that sinful nature that we battle on a daily basis. So it's not that we, we never sin. It's not that we, we achieve perfection because we won't achieve that until Christ comes back and perfects us. So it's not that I don't sin, but I don't make it a practice. I don't live a lifestyle of sin. If I know that it's wrong, I know that I need to stop it. And there are changes that take place in my life as a result of this new birth. Last week, we, we gave you four keys to overcoming, to overcoming sin, to winning that battle with sin. The first one is to call it what it is and stop making excuses. Stop rationalizing your sin. Stop trying to justify your sin. Stop calling it just a bad habit. No, call it what it is, and it's, it's sin. The second step is to confess and repent. The third step is to remove and replace. And then that fourth step is to receive power over it. Today, we're going to, to look at that second thing that John talks about, and, and that's love. Now, love is one of those topics that is really hard for me as a preacher, as a communicator of the gospel, it's hard for me to tackle. It's hard for me to address. You would think that love would be one of the easiest topics to preach about. I would rather, I would rather teach some deep, systemic, theological, like something to make you think. Why? Because something like that, you have no preconceived ideas. You have no preformed judgments. You have no personal experiences to tell you different. 
When you come in and, and I, I give you a theological message, you're like a blank slate. But when we talk about love, we all have our own understandings or our own ideas of what love is, of what love looks like, of how we show love, of how we feel love, of how we respond to love. We all have our own understandings of love. And so when I get up to talk about what the Bible says about love, it's difficult because when you hear love, you hear something different than the person sitting right next to you. When I tell you and when the Bible tells you to love your neighbor, you are challenged differently than the person next to you, dependent on what your definition of love is. And so love is, is, is all over God's word, but it's something that's difficult for, understand, for us to understand. It's a word that is thrown out so just recklessly, if I may. I love this. I love that. I love mama's pizza. What does that mean? What does that mean? I love the Huskers when they win. And when they lose, I'll talk trash about them. When they win, I'll wear my Husker jacket and my Husker hat. When they lose, that's at the back of my closet. But I love them. I, 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 I would say, I love the Nebraska Cornhuskers. But for some of us, we don't differentiate our love for mama's pizza and our love for the Nebraska Cornhuskers and our love for God and our love for our neighbor. To us, it's love. So when Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, we hear, okay, like I love the Huskers. So when my neighbor does something that makes me happy, then I can love them. But when they do something that annoys me, I don't have to talk to them because that's what love is. Some of us have been shown love from whether it's our parents or, or a spouse or some, someone close to us. We've been shown this distorted perspective and idea of what love is and that begins to form us and inform our opinion of what love is. And then we, all we do is just regurgitate that cycle onto everybody else around us. And so when it, when it says that I need to love others, it's like, well, how do I, what does that even, what does that even mean? We see it in culture. We, we hear it in the songs that we listen to. Come on. All those love songs that we listen to. Have you ever stopped to, to listen to the lyrics of those songs? And we'll sit here and we'll sing them. And, and I asked Pastor Andre to leave me the ox cord. And so he left me the ox cord this morning. I just want to give you, I just want to give you a taste. Listen, I can't, we're going to play a little, little game. Name that tune. We can't play much because the, the Facebook and the YouTube monitors will take down our stream because of copyright issues. And so, so you got to be quick this morning. But tell me if you know what this song is. Unchained Melody. I don't know who was the first with that one, but that was that was very good. Uh, some of you, some of you just said ghost. No, that's not. That's not. That's not the name. That's not the name. That's the name of the movie that that song might have been in. What about this one's for for some of you younger people? What about this one? 
It's a love story. Baby, just say yes. But listen to the, the next line in this song, right? Like, you'll be the Romeo, I'll be the Juliet, you'll be the prince. Like, it sounds like such a cute song, and we, we just get stuck in your head, and the next thing you know, you're walking around all day singing that. Not me, but some of you guys. But listen to the next line. So I sneak out to the garden to see you. We keep quiet because we're dead if they knew. Like, listen, if you know you shouldn't be doing it, T-Swift, that's not love, that's lust. Okay, what about, what about this one? Robin Hood. Go ahead, what was it? Yeah, Brian Adams for the... What you mean to you don't want you don't want none of that. You don't want none of that. Uh let me see what else what else we got. We both know I'm not what you need. Now listen, if we get taken down for this, we'll get taken down. I can't turn that I can't turn this one off. I will lose a live stream for that song. Oh, Kelly Mancuso's a little click, a little quick with that boys to men reference. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just skip over the, we'll skip over that one. Now listen, this one. If if you grew up in the '90s, and you when when this song came on at the school dance, and you did not run across the floor to grab your eighth grade crush and start dancing to this song, something was wrong with you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, Casey and Jojo, all my life, like. Ah, oh, oh, some weirdos in here that. See, but listen, these are, the, these are the songs that we listen to. Get that ox cord away from me because otherwise we're not gonna get through this message. Um, these are the songs that we listen to. And as we listen to these songs, they, they, they form this idea of what we believe about love. Now, now, all of these songs, and even the ones that I didn't play, Queen, crazy little thing called love. It jumps, it jives, it wiggles around like a jellyfish. I can't stand it, this crazy. Like, what does that even mean? That's not, that's, that's not love, all these songs that we listen to. And it's not just the songs, but it's the movies that we watch. There's this girl that can't choose between a vampire and a werewolf. And she's in love with both of them, depending on how she feels that day. And at the end of it all, like, it's, 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 it's so self-gratifying, this idea that we have of love. It's about me, and it's about how you make me feel. And it's, you know, it's, it's the, the end of Titanic. It's Rose and it's Jack, and they're there. Like, put the picture up. We've got, we've got the picture, and you guys remember this from Titanic, right? We, we, we remember this picture and we remember this scene. It was so touching and it was so emotional. And don't let go, Jack. I'll never let go. It's okay. Don't let go, Jack. I'm here. I'm here. Listen, if you really loved this man, you would let him up on the piece of driftwood with you. I love you, Jack, but I'm just going to go ahead and stay on this board and you can stay in the water. There's plenty of room. You can cuddle. 
there's room on here for both of you. But no, Jack, I love you. You stay there. And even at the end, she wakes up. Jack is dead. His hair is icicles. And she's holding on to him and she says, I'll never let go. As she lets go. Like, what are you talking about? This is, this is what we think love is. But as we read God's word, we have to understand that's not love. That's not love. That's not what love is. First John chapter two. If you have your Bibles, let's get, let's, please, let's get into God's word. Now, stop listening to boys to men, Kelly. Let's open our Bibles. First John chapter two, verse seven. Here's what John says. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another. It is the same message that you've heard before, yet it's also new. So it's not old, or it's not new, but it's old, but it's, it's, it's old and it's also new because Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you also are living it. From the, for, for the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, listen here, verse nine. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that over the next few moments, God, that you would anoint every word, anoint every ear, that we would hear exactly what you want us to, to hear today, that, that, that you would speak through me exactly what you want to communicate today. God, I pray that each and every one of us would leave this place different, challenged, encouraged, changed, and transformed by the power of your word, that we would take it and apply it to our lives, that we might love as you love because you are loved. God, help us to walk out of this place with a, a, a fresh understanding of what it means to love you, to be loved by you and to love those around us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Here John writes and he says, listen, if, if, it, if anybody calls themselves a believer and hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. But anybody who's been born again and, and born into God's family, that person should love his fellow believers. Now you might be here today and you might be saying, well, Pastor John, then I'm good because I don't I don't hate fellow believers. There are some people that aren't believers that I would say I don't like. But as far as the family of God, I don't hate anyone in the family of God. And if that's you and you're trying to justify yourself and your actions, let me just take you to Matthew chapter 5 and remind you what Jesus said about that. Because Jesus said, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you what? To love your who? enemies. Jesus said to love your enemies. It's not just enough. Okay, John, love my fellow believer. But Jesus says it's not just enough to love your fellow believer, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who use you. Pray for those people that just grind on your nerves. Pray for the ones that are trying to step over you to reach their goals and to climb their own personal ladder. Pray for those people. When's the last time you prayed for them? When, when's the last time you bought them a cupcake and took it to work? When's the last time you went out of your way to, to love them? Well, okay, Pastor John, let's not get carried away because like what, 
what does it really mean to love that person? Like if I'm supposed to love those people, what does that look like? I'm glad you asked because Paul answers that for us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, and if you've been to a wedding, you've heard this scripture. But he says, love is patient. So again, love my enemies, love my, my fellow believers. How do I do that? Love is patient. Are you patient with those people? Are you patient with each other? Are you patient with your fellow believers? Are you patient with those who, who maybe post something on social media out of ignorance just because they don't understand or they don't have that knowledge? Are you patient with those individuals? Are you kind? Because love is kind. We need to be kind to those people. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. What is the opposite of dishonoring? Honoring, very good, you guys are a bright bunch. So if love doesn't dishonor, that means that what it does do is honor them. Do you honor your enemies? Do you honor one another? It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Would that define and describe your relationship with those people that you would consider, whether they're a fellow believer or not, those people around you, maybe even my enemies, would, would that define your relationship? I'm patient with them. I'm kind to them. I honor them. I hope for the best. Is that, is that the life that we're living? Now, listen, I understand it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. But if we understand what true love is and where love comes from, it makes it a little bit easy for us if we would just simply move ourselves out of the way, right? What, what is love? 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says that we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. We know what love is. We don't have to, to listen to a song or to watch a movie or to ask around or to, 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 to read a magazine to define what love is because we know what real love is. Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's real love. It's this agape love. It's this, this sacrificial love. See, what we perceive as love is so about me and it's about us and it's how you make me feel and it's what can you do for me? What can you give me? What can I get from you? Okay, I love you. I love, I love you. You make me feel nice. I love you. But true love is I will lay down myself for you. True love says, regardless of what you do for me, I will do for you. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus showed his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love said, I'm not gonna wait till you clean yourself up. I'm gonna give first. I'm not gonna wait for you to change your life. I'm gonna lay down my life for you just on the possibility or off chance that one day you might choose me. That's real love. That's what love is. God is love. What does love do? Love leads to action. First John chapter three, look at, 
Look at what it says. It says, if somebody has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. What is your actions? What are your actions saying about the love that you have inside of you? So it's not enough just to notice something. It's not enough just to say something. And we're really good at this as Christians. My small group this week, we were talking about this because we were looking at James chapter two. Look at what James says in, in James chapter two. Suppose you see your brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. I told my small group, this always reminds me of the princess bride. Like I always read this verse, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. When they're walking through the, the pit, the, what, what was the, the cave? No, it was in the cave. What was the cave called? where the RUSs were. Anyway, Wesley's telling her about the time he spent on the ship. And he's like, every night, Pirate Roberts would say to me, you know, good work, Wesley, sleep well, I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Like every night, that's what it was. That's how I just read that verse. Anyway, <laughs> so suppose you say that to them, then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? It doesn't do them any good. We're so good at this in the church. I love you, I'll pray for you. What good? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that prayer doesn't do anything. But if you have it within you, if you have the means to be able to, to minister to that person, to, to really help that person out and you don't do it, what, what are your actions saying about the love that you have inside of you? I'll pray for you. I'll be, I'll be praying for you. And then we might, we might think about them as we bless our mama's pizza. Lord, bless this pizza to my body and pray for so-and-so. Help them out, whatever it is that's going on. Amen. And that's it. And we, did our, we feel like we did our part. But John and then here, James in James chapter two is saying, listen, if you say that you love and you don't do anything, what good is that? Love always leads to action and it's action on behalf of others and for the benefit of others. The actions that come from love don't benefit us. They don't benefit us. One good test to see how well I love is to say, who is benefiting by my actions? That's hard. Who benefits most by what I do and how I live? Is it me and myself? Is it my family? Is it my, my wife? Is it my kids? Is it those around me? Is it the church? Is it you guys? Who, who's benefiting by the way that I'm living and by the things that I'm doing? Because the, the action that comes from love will not benefit me. It will always benefit others. Who's benefiting from your actions? What we have to understand is this, and, and this is really the crux of it all. I can't give love until I first experienced love. And that's, that's what it really boils down to. God is love. I'm supposed to love those around me. I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I'm supposed to love my enemy. I'm supposed to love my fellow believer. I'm supposed to love the unbeliever. I'm supposed to, to love everybody. Why? Because God is love and I'm supposed to be a representation of God here in, in showing God's love to, to the world around me. And so I, I recognize that, but how do I do that? You can't do it if your love cup is empty. You can't do it on your own. You can't love your neighbor. You can't love your unbelieving friend. Listen, you can't even love your spouse the way you need to love your spouse if you haven't first experienced the love that comes from God. If God's love is not filling you up on a daily basis, then all you're giving is a cheap substitute. 
We walk around saying that we love people and yet our tank is empty and all we're trying to do is get from people. God, refill me every day. God, let me go to you who is the only one that has ever been meant to be my source. Would you fill me up every day so that everybody that gets close to me today, all of that will just flow out onto them. Otherwise, what they get is John. And John is ugly. And John is nasty. And John is selfish. And, and John looks out for himself. But, but God, if you are my source, then anybody who comes close to me, they won't experience me, but they'll experience you in me. I can't give love until I first experienced love. Chapter four, verse seven says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from our feelings. Love comes when we've had a good day. Love comes when people do nice things for us. No, love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. How do I love? How do I love those around me? How do I love my spouse? How do I love my neighbor? Meet the one who is love. Spend time with the one who is love. Stop watching these stupid romantic comedy movies that Angel makes me watch and and trying to emulate what you see on there. Well, if I just had what she had, if I just had the relationship that, that they had, well, I don't, I don't love you anymore because I don't feel what I felt in the beginning. What you felt wasn't love because love isn't a feeling. Love is not a feeling that you feel. Love is a choice that you make. It's a determination in your heart every day that you wake up that today, regardless of what happens, I am going to love. Well, I just don't love them anymore. Okay, but it's not because they stopped making you feel that way. It's because you've chosen to stop loving them. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. But it's something that we have access to through the very one who who is love. God can't be anything but love because that is his nature. That is his character. That is who he is. That is what he is. And if we need to be filled up with love, you don't need to find it in a relationship. You don't need to find it over here or over there. Stop searching the world to find it and find it in the only place that you could have ever found it. And that's in Jesus. He continues in, in chapter four. And he says, God is love and all who live in love, live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, as we, as we live in the one who is love, and he lives in us, as we, John 15, as we abide in him and he abides in us and he produces that fruit in our lives, what happens? Our love grows more perfect. It's easier for us to love. Why? Because it's not about me. It's easier for us to love. Why? Because if God loved me, who am I to withhold love from anybody else? Why? Because if God died for me, who was a wretched sinner in the state that I was when he found me, who am I to withhold that love from anybody else? If God loved me, God loves you. And if God loves you, I love you. Why? Because you're God's child too. As a parent, you want to love me? Love my kids. As a parent, you want to get on my bad side? Do something to my kids. Right? Like, come on, parents. A teacher. 
says something wrong to your kid, you will march yourself up to that school and demand to have a meeting with that teacher. Unless, of course, your kids are like mine and they started it and it's their fault. <laughs> right? Somebody at the park, they pushed me off the slide. Who was it? Point them out. Oh, it was that little girl. She's about to catch an elbow. Let's go. <laughs> like, do something to my kids and, and we're going to have words, right? Love my children. Take care of my children. Care for my children. God's the same way. You are God's child. You're his favorite. You're his prized possession of all creation. He created you to be in relationship with him. Who am I to withhold love from you or from anybody for that matter? So I think what happens is we, we get these ideas of what love is and when we don't feel good or when we don't feel that way, it's like, well, I don't really love them anymore. I don't love this person. I don't, I don't. Listen, stop, stop being controlled and run by your emotions and recognize that the only way that you can love is to spend time with the source of love. Spend time in God's presence, spend time in God's word and, and allow God to, to produce the love in you that, that you need to love those around you. I'm closing with this and I heard this story. The story of a, of a Boeing 307 Stratoliner and it was the, the first airplane that they manufactured with a pressurized cabin. So they, 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 they made this airplane. I think they only made like seven or eight of them. They made this airplane, they were able to pressurize the cabin so that they could fly at altitudes above 20,000 feet. They could get above the, the storm clouds and fly over some of these weather systems. And so, so they, they had only made a certain number of them. And, and over time, obviously, you know, technology began, got, got better and, and these planes were kind of, kind of done away with. Well, there was one that the Smithsonian owned and, and it was the last one, the last one that, that, was in any kind of operation. What they did is they took it and they, they refurbished it. They, they redid it and they, they reworked it and, and they got it to the point where like they took every step needed. They called in, they, they, they found a company in New York City who had like an old school loom that they used an old loom to make the, the wallpaper on the inside of the plane. They imported Scottish leather for the seats because that was the leather that they used back in the day when they first built them. All of the original drawings and specs were, were laid out and they used those original drawings to manufacture all of the fixtures and, and all of the little, the little decals. Every, every detail was, was, was taken account for and, and they refurbished it to its original state. They got it into to flying order and, and in Seattle, they decided, well, we're gonna take it out for a test flight. So they had four people on board, two pilots, two passengers. And what they were going to do is they were just gonna do touch and goes. They were gonna take off, they were gonna fly in a circle, they were gonna land, and then they were gonna take off again. And what was supposed to happen is in the middle, they were gonna stop and they were gonna refuel so that the next pilot could do his series. Well, what happened is in the excitement of the day, they forgot to refuel. They did a touch and go, took off, touch and go, took off, touch and go, took off. They got up there and then all of a sudden the engine started to fail. They, they, they put all the time, they put all the money, they put, they put all the effort into making sure that this plane looked the way that it did when it first rolled off the floor. They got up in the air, ended up crashing it into the bay. All of the time, all of the money, all of the work, and the only problem, it wasn't the engine's fault. It wasn't the, the, the old technology's fault. It wasn't the navigation system's fault. It wasn't a fault of any machine error. It was human error. 
And the only error was that it didn't have enough fuel for the journey. As I heard that, I was like, man, isn't that how so many of us choose to live our lives? Like I just spit shine the outside of me. Just clean me up on the outside, make me look good. Make me look the way that you intended me to look. Would you just, just, just get rid of the sin? And so, so that way when people see me, they don't see that, that junk anymore, but, but remove all that. And we can do that and God does that and that's great. But if we don't spend time with him as our source, if we, don't, if we don't every day make a determination, God, refuel me and refill me, God, would you, would you make sure that I'm ready for the journey that you have me on? Would you make sure that I'm prepared and equipped for whatever it is that you have for me today? God, fill me up so that when I get out there, I don't run out of gas. Because then at that point, it doesn't matter how good I look. It doesn't matter what job I have. It doesn't matter how well-behaved my kids are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think of me. None of that matters. The only thing that matters, God, is, is, is your love in me? Have I spent time with you? Am I able to experience and receive love from you, to, to love you back in response, and then to love your kids in response to that? God, am I able to do that? And if not, God, would you fill me today? God, fill me with your love. Forgive me for trying to manufacture it. Forgive me for trying to find it in somebody else. Forgive me for expecting my wife to be my source. Forgive me for expecting that somebody else fill my cup when God, it's, it's you. It's you that fills me. It's you that restores me. It's you that renews me. It's you that refreshes me. God, would you fill me with your love today so that in turn I can love those around me. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that, that you are love. God, I thank you that in a world that is so confused about what love is and what love looks like, what love says and what love does. God, I thank you that, that even though we might get confused when we look to culture to define love, that we can look into your word that says, we know what love is. We know what love is, God, because you sent your son to die for us. Jesus, because you gave up your life. You first loved us. You showed your love in that while we were still sinners, you came and you died for us. Now, as we go today, God, I pray that, that we would all have have experienced your love, that we would all be full of your love, able to, to show that to those around us, that we would understand love is not a feeling, but love is a choice. It's a determination that we make. God, help us to, to go forth in your love, with love for you and with love for those around us. This morning, if you're here or you're watching online, if you haven't experienced the love of God, if you haven't experienced the love of the Father that comes in and brings new life. The love that held him to that cross to take upon himself your sins and your punishment so that you could have access to the promises and be born into his family. This morning, if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do so. I'm just gonna pray with, pray with you right where you're at, but we just ask with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, you say, Pastor John, that's me. Would you pray for me today? I want to experience that love. I've never felt that love. I've never known that love. If that's you, do me a favor, just lift your hand so I can pray with you right where you're at. Thank you.
Thank you, ma'am. You can put it right down. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna pray just a very simple prayer. And if you raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, you know you should have raised your hand. Church, would you help us to pray this out today? Just say, Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you that you chose to give up your life to give me access to new life in you. And today, I believe and I confess that you are Lord. Would you be the savior of my life? Would you lead me and guide me? Show me the way that you want me to live and give me the strength to live it out every day. Help me to look more like you every day as I, as I start this journey with you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. God, I pray that, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. God, that you would continue to reveal your love to them. God, as they go from this place, they would experience the love of the Father and the love of, of their fellow believers. God, for those of us that are, are here and we think that we're doing a good job, we think that we're loving, I pray that, that you would bring 1 Corinthians 13 to mind. God, are we kind? Are we patient? Are we, are we humble? Are we boastful? Are we envious? How are we living our lives and, and who's benefiting by our actions? Because love leads to action. But it's not action to benefit us, it's action to benefit those around us. So Lord, may everything that we do be a blessing to those around us as we, as we not just receive your love, but then in turn show your love. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.